if you're young parents that are out there, you do more research about car seats, about like you're saying, Paul, organic crawling mats, about baby carriers, about cribs, about all sorts of things. You do more research on that than most have ever done with shots. And there's more research done to the safety of those products. Oh, Why? Far. Because there's liability. That's the end of the game is that 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act gave vaccine companies immunity forever for all vaccines. There's, you cannot sue them, right? And because there's no liability, there will never be safety. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Jack. Today's guest is the founder of Future Generations, Dr. Stanton Hom. Future Generations is a global movement that normalizes vibrant health for life by providing freedom-focused care and education. Dr. Hom is a dad, a prenatal pediatric chiropractic specialist, and the host of the Future Generations podcast, who also leads a worldwide movement that stands for health freedom for all generations. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. And now here is Paul talking with Dr. Stanton Hom about the human truth. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, my guest is Stanton Hom. He is a pediatric chiropractor, very interesting man. He has an organization called Future Generations, and thank God he's all about the children, and I'm very much the same. So welcome, Stanton. Thank you for having me, Paul. It's an honor to be here, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I was shocked when I was talking to Stanton to find out he had done check exercise coach all the way back in 2005 and i ran into him uh at one of my uh rainbow workshops here was it a zen in the garden workshop yep, yep cool and so i started seeing him more out there in social media listened to some of his interviews and thought hey i gotta get him on my podcast because he's up to some really important stuff so uh stanton uh you said you did you say it was future generations did you did you give the url there uh i did not Oh, not. you want to share that? The uh the for for the podcast, it's thefuturegen.com. T H E F U T U R E G E N dot com. And then for the community, it's community.thefuturegen.com. So for the community, it's community.thefuturegen.com. Yep. Great. So Stanton, you're a health and freedom activist. Can you share some of how you became in, uh, involved in caring for children and their health and freedom? Yeah, I'm a certified prenatal and pediatric chiropractor. As of last week, one of my, one of my really good friends got that same distinction. Uh, there's 62 of us. There's only 62 that are actually, you know, receive the highest distinction in academics and clinical care for kids and pregnant patients, pregnant women uh, in chiropractic. And at the end of the day, I've been, I mean, it's crazy to think how, how, I guess the question is how far back do you want me to go, Paul, you know? Well, I'm just, you know, curious as to what, what made you orient yourself toward the children? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of why I didn't continue fully with like all of your curriculums because I started to really think about the kids like very early on, just as far as like, 
you know, for me, um, I'm the fourth oldest cousin. Uh, I didn't learn this until I was already in, you know, the weeds with my career, but my grandmother was their kind of town village doula and, um, her sister was the midwife. And so back then, essentially all birds were at home. That's great. All birds were essentially, you know, like very intervention free. And I didn't even know that that was like my epigenetic upbringing. Right. Yeah. And then all throughout my life, I'm thinking that I'm going to go to med school because, you know, you grow up Asian American and you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. And, <laughs> or and, an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I just decided like, okay, I was at West Point. I was a West Point cadet and I did a full um, internship pre-med go to Walter Reed, see brain surgery, open heart surgery, orthopedic surgery, all sorts of things. And I decide I don't want to be in medicine because it was so procedural and not personal. Like there was nothing that really spoke to my, it spoke to my mind as far as like the intellect, but it didn't really kind of ring my soul. And so I chose to go into the military, was a field artillery officer. And when I was deployed in Iraq, 2003, 2004, my brother sent me two foundational books that painted the rest of my, my, sorry, three foundational books that painted the rest of my life. One was Joe Mercola's first book on total health and nutrition. The second was a chiropractic book. The third was a acupuncture book called The Web That Has No Weaver by a guy named Ted Kapcha. I got out of the military in 2005. And when I moved to San Diego, I was, I was getting into fitness and I was, I was already kind of neck deep into fitness from the military. And my brother introduced me to you. And so he was like, Hey, your, your mind is holistic. You're already kind of getting the basis behind it. Um, you should really check out the Czech Institute. You should really check out Paul Czech. And that's what started my journey then. So you said your highest listen podcast was Sherry Tenpenny. And so at the time it was Joe Mercola, Sherry Tenpin, and you as my major influences as I was kind of detoxing out of my military experience. And man, six months later, six weeks later, I felt like all the lights turned back on in my life and my health because I started to listen and, and apply everything that you guys were teaching me, including getting adjusted with my brother, um, who's a chiropractor here in San Diego also. And um, six months later, he was like, dude, I think you're my healthiest patient. And so just to give you some feedback for me, I wouldn't be in self-healing and, and in chiropractic if I didn't experience it myself. And so, you know, six months, my brother says that the four comorbidities and the four chronic inflammatory gut mental health challenges that I was experiencing at the time were essentially not just gone, but I was actually vibrating at a very, very high frequency. And I've been on the journey since, you know? And so for me, it became if I can heal, the one thing that I will say that was the thing that I didn't recognize was that my whole life, you know, I, I was a C minus English student, not <laughs> because English is my second language, because English is my only language. Um, I just sucked at it. I couldn't read. I kind of had this, like, I think mild forms of dyslexia. And after that kind of summer, as I was healing, I took a prerequisite course for chiropractic school, English, because I'd not gotten C's, which was the base for requirements, the prerequisites of, of entering. And I took an English class and I got to the end of that. And my teacher was like, hey, you're one of the best, most prolific writers that I've ever actually taught. And I was like, dude, I've never been told that my whole life. And so for me, I saw and experienced this kind of healing of my brain, 
in the way that I could function and learn. And it was one of those tangible, evident things that I started to realize that all these kids that are experiencing all these kind of neurological challenges that maybe there's something about this whole like healing practice, not just for me as an adult, if I could do it, then I was pretty convinced that kids can do it. And so I've been on the journey since, man, I'm in 11 years in clinical practice, been in San Diego this whole time. So we share that same County. And, you know, for me, it's, it is the proof is in the pudding. I've been saying from the very beginning of all of this lockdown craziness, last two years of pandemonium, that if we could just compare like, our patient base and our results that we get for our patients and put all the conventional people doing all the conventional masks, distancing, isolation, and compare their health status, mental, physical, spiritual health status with your population and my population, it wouldn't even come close, man. We would throw, we would, we would blow them out of the water. And that's how I know we win. We're going to get there in the conversation, but that's how I know that we fast forward this 10 20, 50 years slash multiple generations, your kid and my kid are going to be so vibrantly healthy that it isn't even going to come close when they're adults and they have their own careers. You know, it's one of those things that inspires me on a day-to-day basis. And so we, um, we've been on the journey since, man. We see kids heal dramatically every day. We help parents have uh, vastly conscious uh, conceptions, births, and postpartums. And we see kids thrive throughout that. And so, yeah, that's beautiful. It's, it's, you know, this will lead into my next question, which I think you're a great guy to post this question to, but there's been many times that Angie and myself or Penny, Angie and I have had the kids at parks and mothers have walked up to us. And, you know, for example, Zoe's about almost to turn three, but I remember one time when she was two, and her and Mona were, you know, swinging on monkey bars, climbing things. And Zoe would climb up the ladder to the top. She's a little tiny girl, right? A step for her is like me and you trying to step on top of a car on one step. And um, multiple times parents would come and say, how old are your kids? And we would always ask, well, why are you asking? They go like, because they're so athletic and they're doing things that I've never seen kids their age do. And they talk so well. And so we would tell them and they'd be shocked. And, you know, we would never say it, but we, we noticed you can tell which kids have been vaccinated because they're just so mentally and, and, and motor delayed. And they, they often, when they, when you look at them, it's like the soul is not in the child. The mm. eyes are kind of like, glassed over like like they're in a hypnotic trance and and you just see that they're not developing well and their bodies are all swollen up and inflamed and they look like they have you know a metabolic syndrome or global inflammation and they got bags under their eyes and and allergic shiners and they they all look like they're hung over you know like they've been partying all night it's just so sad. So, you know, my next question is, what do you feel the status of the children today is worldwide, especially with all the COVID silliness? As you were speaking there, Paul, it made me think of just last week, one of my staff members who, you know, we don't 
initially train them on this because we want them to see it and experience it. And this is not me marginalizing kids or demonizing their parents or judging or shaming them in any capacity. But one of our staff members last week was like, was that was, was she born at home? And I was like, yeah, how do you know? She's like, I could just tell. I was like, how can you tell? And we go through this whole conversation about just the interconnectedness that they notice that is a child's birthing experience, right? Like it's a wonderful thing because you start to see that the theme in our office becomes, are my, like parents will ask me, are my kids ahead? I'm like, no, no, actually, if we really understood your lens, Paul, like this kind of primal lifestyle, primal movement, like if we were all in the bush and we were brought into the world that way, I don't think we even stand a chance against hunter-gatherer children right now. I don't think we're even close, right? No. But when you look at like the statistics, right, greater than one in two, 54% of our kids has a chronic illness today. That is a comorbid condition, right? Uh, One in six has some sort of learning delay, some sort of neurodevelopmental disorder. One in 10 has some sort of neurobehavioral, neuroemotional disorder. And then one in four in America greatest country in the world, quote unquote, uh, requires some sort of special education. Wow. And that's 25%, right? And and it's it's crazy because those numbers mean something because when you look at like the world today, like that's how we tend to lead, right? Americans, adult Americans, 80% of us has some sort of chronic illness. 55% has two, 20% has three. And then the average death, you know, for, for COVID was what, 4.3 or 4.6 comorbid conditions. And at the end of the day, man, like it's no argument. There's no, there's no debate on how unhealthy we are as a society. But for me, I take it very personally when it comes to kids, because you say it, like you just go to the park and you observe and you can see physically, emotionally, socially that there's a vast difference from kids that come through the world in your lens and versus kids that are just kind of the common kiddos out there right and at the, and for me what drives me crazy is is most of it is at the result of conventional medical thinking it's, and it's, and yeah and conventional nutritional thinking which is totally, tied right in there totally. you know they're all in bed together unfortunately it it's it's very sad and what people seem to not think about enough is that our children are our future you know i'm 60 years old my my capacity for really being involved in the world and doing the amount of work that i've done in my now 38 year career almost 40 years i've been doing this at some point i not only will i want to but i need to sort of leave it to others to take over because i totally. can't i can't forever be burning the candle at both ends trying to you know do do all the things that i do and i i want to be able to step back but we all have to step back i mean you know it's like to give you an example of what i'm talking about <laughs> there's been some days when i really realized i was getting old and oh and i'll give you an example of that not old like you think I'm meaning, but old in another way. I once got a letter in the mail from a chiropractor who took the time to handwrite me a letter. 
And this letter uh, surprised me. He said, I just wanted to write to you personally and say thank you. He said, I was in Los Angeles Chiropractic College, and I used to attend your lectures there because I used to lecture at Los Angeles Chiropractic College. Oh, is that right? They probably, they'll probably ban you now. They might. <laughs> well, there Anyways, was a professor there. Did you ever know who Professor, professor Daryl Curl was? I didn't. Uh-uh. Okay, well, Daryl Curl was a dentist and a chiropractor. And he was an expert at the jaw and, and, you know, all the things head and neck. And I wrote a chapter for a book called A Chiropractic Approach to Head Pain by Williams and Wilkins. And I wrote the chapter in 89, but it wasn't published till I think 91. But it was a very comprehensive text textbook on a chiropractic approach to head pain. He was the editor and he's the one that asked me to write. And he's the one that brought me into uh, LACC to to give lectures and I mostly lectured on core conditioning and motor control and basically the integration of the musculoskeletal system through corrective exercise and, and related factors. But this guy wrote me this letter and he said, you know, I still use what I learned from you in my chiropractic training and I've studied a bunch of your courses. And he says, I've been in, private practice for 12 years now. I have a kid, one of his kids, I think was in junior high school. He had another daughter that was, you know, close to that age. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting old. Guys that were in my classes are now been in practice for 12 years and have kids that are in high school. So, you know, my point is, you know, I'm not, getting old like most people get old and decrepit i'm getting old like i'm realizing i've been around a lot longer than i often remember (laughs) and you know to think about what you were saying earlier because you said relate this back to like covid right the statistics that i rattled off are are, they're not new they're old they're 10 11 years old that's data that is was already a monstrosity of a healthcare crisis and then let's fast forward to the last two years where this was how kids did school, right? And they were allowed to shut cameras off. They weren't even supposed to be there. My kids, some of my kids in my practice say, we didn't even go half the time, not because they didn't like school, but because it was stupid. Like it was, it was this socially isolating experience that they didn't, they didn't thrive in. So they became, you know, more fluent with their families and they started to do certain things. And, at the, and what do we see? We see, at the tail end of everything, the CDC and the AAP come out with this whole kind of change in the milestones that essentially said that uh, kids actually aren't supposed to crawl anymore. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. I mean, this um, is so sick and so – it is. if that's not a clear example of the ineptitude, stupidity – Exactly. And complete and utter disrespect for human life coming from an organization or two of them that are supposed to be protecting people, if that doesn't just wake people right up, then they're already dead. Well, then they, then they said that language and walking, they also push back six, six months or longer, right? And so your kids are supposed to speak, have cognitive ability to have conversations later. They're not supposed to walk on time anymore. And then some of my some of my colleagues were like, let's look back at what the CDC and the AAP said over the last two years. They said things like 
persistent masking doesn't influence your child's ability to learn. That's not going to affect their ability to actually, you know, be able to lip read and learn language and things like that. The, you know, they started to say that like the ability to <laughs> stay at home versus getting out and playing when they're taping up all the playgrounds with caution tape, police tape that we, you know, my family would just go with scissors and start cutting all that stuff down because yeah, good man. you can't close nature, right? You can't close like La Jolla shores, which is what our home break is. And I take my kid there and there's cops like policing the area. And they think that that's not going to have some sort of influence. And so you get to the end, like maybe midway through 2021 and the CDC acknowledges a mental health crisis in our kids to the point where I think it was somewhere between 40 and 40%, 40 40 and 44% of girls, like teen girls had considered suicide at some point. And so for us, like we looked at the monstrosity of the healthcare crisis that was already affecting kids for decades before I was actually in practice. And then I've been speaking to this, helping kids navigate this for the last 10, 12 years. I'm one of those guys, you know, I learned from you (laughs) 12 years in practice. And, and I started to speak at the County supervisors saying, who's going to reconcile that? Who's going to reconcile the suicides? Who's going to reconcile the child abuse? Who's going to reconcile the addiction? All the things that they are not counting as far as numbers. I'm not trying to be like a negative Nancy, but the crisis was already here. Parents are already affected by this. The amount of children that are on the rigmarole, love therapists, love speech, love OTs, love PTs, especially when they understand a holistic understanding of the world for our kids. But that's a merry-go-round that never gets to the root cause. And we've watched kids get kind of pushed around the system, ABA included. And for, for all intents and purposes, we would speak at these county supervisors and these, these meetings. We couldn't go to the city council because they shut them down and they didn't let public comments at all. And we started to speak out about this because no one was calling this out for our kids. And we, we never shut up about it. We've been talking about it very, very consistently for the last two years. Hi, everybody. I'm very excited to share some big news with you today. This month, anyone with an internet connection will be able to learn my holistic system of exercise and conditioning. That's because we're finally putting one of my most important advanced training programs out to the digital world. That's Integrated Movement Science Level 1, which is now available online. IMS1 includes my physiological load assessment, postural assessments, stretching and mobility assessments, how to perform corrective mobilizations, instructions on improving stability, and a huge library of exercises, all of which are game changers for any practice. The physiological load assessment alone makes a huge difference in your client results and keeps them from getting injured and progressing more naturally and fully, which results in excellent walk-around marketing for you. Whether you're just getting started in holistic health and performance, or you're looking to upskill, or you just want to stand out from the crowd, IMS1 is the advanced training you need. To get early notification of the course release and win a 10% discount at the launch, please go to the check shop, that's C-H-E-K shop, thecheckshop.com forward slash I-M-S number one online. That's thecheckshop.com forward slash I-M-S one online and sign up. I know you're going to love this program. I've got nothing but 
excellent feedback for the years I've been running it live, and it's super exciting to be able to share it with you online so you can learn at your own pace anytime, anywhere you have an internet connection. Enjoy. The point I was driving at earlier that I'll conclude is, you know, the reason I brought the story up of the chiropractor that sent me the letter, and I've had several just like it, you know, my oldest son's 41 now, so he's a father and he's out in the world. Wow. Um, I've got a grandchild, his son. Um, but it, and so you're, you're, you're probably not any older than my son. How old are you? 43. So you're just, you're 43, right? But you're an example of, of what I would call my education children are now out in the world running clinics and working on professional sports teams and, and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff all over the world in all sorts of different professions. But what if those kids came to me developmentally delayed, delayed, sick, couldn't think, couldn't learn? How would I have been able to influence the next generation? And, and that's what people are not paying attention to. We're actually living Pottinger's cat study live. And we're in right now, the kids of the fourth generation, at least of processed food eaters. And we can see that everything, anyone that's ever read the book, Pottinger's Cats, and if you haven't, it's very important to read, can see that exactly what Pottinger showed happened to the cats by the fourth generation, which they became extinct and started to die off. They lost their motor skills. They lost their sexual preference. Um, they're, they're, they lost their gender identity, meaning that the males were having sex with each other. The females were having sex with each other. They didn't know the difference between a male and a female anymore. He would throw cats up in the air and they would not land on their feet. They would land on their heads and, 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 you know, potentially get injured because they had no more writing reflexes and balancing skills. So we're actually in a serious state of devolution. And you, when you look at the amount of injuries from vaccination and, and the cost of the autism that has been projected to come from that, it's, I can't remember the statistic I read was something like it's going to cost $10 billion a year just to manage all the people injured potentially from vaccines based on the researchers that have made these connections, which the standard medical community completely denies. Yeah. The, 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 the statistics before 2020 regarding vaccines was that it was a $50 billion industry. Is Global. that what it is? Yeah, I know That's it was what real it's, high. But but the fallout, the side effects of vaccines was 500 billion. Most people don't know that that was before 2020, before the hockey hockey stick escalation of injuries, of reports, of hospitalizations, of of uh, disability, like permanent disability that they're tracking, death, all sorts of different challenges that that the COVID shot has essentially like it is black and white. If you don't know that by now, or if at least you're not questioning that by now, I know your listeners are, then, then you are, you are part of this mass formation psychosis that won't ever believe it. You know, that's exactly right. You are, you are a product of the greatest psychological operation in the history of humanity, you know, which is where we are today. And the, and the sad part of that is, is that the people that are caught in the psyop are actually self-selecting themselves potentially right out of existence potentially right you know <laughs> i would say I mean, it's it, a certainty right it's it, well you know it, yeah. it's the way it's playing out is either you're 
well, one, they're so toxic, you're making yourself sick by just subjecting yourself to it. No matter whether you have any negative side effects or anything, you won't be, most people won't be conscious of the fact that many other knock on ill health effects from fatigue to gastrointestinal inflammation to, uh, uh, for infertility, to, you know, the list is very long. They're, the people that aren't awake enough to real to pay attention to their bodies, won't, they'll just think, oh, there's just something wrong with me. But the knock-on effect of all this is that, you know, you, you basically with the numbers of people that have been killed and severely injured, it almost is like a crapshoot. It's like Russian, it's like Russian roulette. You're spinning the barrel yeah. and, and you, you either get serious disability, which could be worse than death. You wish you were dead or you're dead. Or you're poisoned. So, you know, in, instead of Russian roulette, you usually put one barrel in a six-chamber gun. Now they're putting at least three rounds in there, which means you got a 50-50 chance of dying or getting sick or, or injured, which is, you know, anybody that has even common sense would say that's just too dangerous, especially for children. Let's talk about what you just Gave an example of if any of your listeners have not read Pottinger's Cats yet, it is a small book. But if you are if you are in this world at all and you understand epigenetics, if you understand that we literally pass on not not uh, heritable genes that are going to destroy you, you pass on the habits that you've literally created as a result of your collective lifestyle, your mind, body, spiritual lifestyle, and if you're in that world, whether it's Bruce Lipton, whether it's Joe Dispenza, whether it's Paul Check, all these people talking about our genes not being our destiny, but our lifestyle and our choices and this human potential thing, um, let's let's look at just the shot from an mRNA perspective. This whole technology that's new that hasn't been tested, this thing that potentially inserts and changes and manipulates your genes that we will then pass on to future generations. We know that if you've done the research on epigenetics, you understand lifestyle, that your choices today echo into the future some 13 generations. And so Pottinger showed that just processed, just cooked meat, wasn't it? Just, yeah, Act just it was actually meat. meat. And, and yeah, it was cooked meat and pasteurized milk. Versus yeah. raw milk and raw meat, and it wasn't even it, he wasn't he wasn't even distinguishing organic versus non-organic because that study was done around 1947. If totally. I remember it. So back then, even even the worst food was way better than what <laughs> most people eat today. But when you consider that all he did was cook the meat and pasteurize the milk, and it wiped the cats out within four generations, they were they couldn't reproduce. And then you say, okay, what about what we're doing today? Well. If you look at the side effects of a lot of these vaccines and it, you know, the top vaccine experts in the world are saying they go right after the ovaries and the, and the testicles and the brain and the heart. Well, you don't need to be a genius to say, well, what does that mean for your future? It means your reproductive capacity is being shut off and your chances of survival are very low. And you don't need to, to work very hard to do a little research to find videos of bill gates publicly announcing that he's going to use vaccines to lower the population and then if you go one step further and say who is bill gates dad he was a chief of the eugenicist eugenicist movement he is a big eugenics guy and was involved in all sorts of shady shit with rockefeller and, and setting up the american medical association i'm like people like 
you're willing to stick anything in your body without even doing the least bit of homework, people do more work to determine whether or not they're going to buy a car or a phone than they've been doing with these very seriously dangerous vaccinations. And and, and all the people that I talked, somebody asked me the other day, how many, what percentage of my practice got the shot? And I was like, uh, five. And they're like, really? That's a lot. And I was like, well, those are patients that found me later. You know, they're, they're in pa- like the patients before, maybe under 1%. And uh, of those, what was the reason? It wasn't health. It, was, it wasn't even fear. They weren't even scared. It was coercion. It was manipulation. It was, it was leveraging their, their freedom to travel. It was leveraging their ability to work. It was their boss's Many patients in here, in my, in my, in, you know, as you know, in San Diego County, we're in Navy County, right? The level of coercion that they've used against our military is absolutely wild to me. Although you, you and I both know that that's a part of it, right? It's a military industrial complex that, you know. I just saw a statistic on children's health defense, which was quite shocking. Suicides in the military have gone up 300% since COVID started. 300%. That article was probably written by a, a colleague of mine, an amazing uh, West Point grad, 1997 class, which means she was a senior when I was a plebe, hazing the shit out of me more than likely. Uh, but she's been calling it out from the very beginning. She called out how West Point cadets were coerced. They were put into tents. They were segregated. They were literally like full bird colonels coming in. Like hazing them, saying, threatening their careers, threatening their future, threatening schooling, threatening graduation, threatening that she was going to be the one to plunge that needle into their arm and love it. And you're just like, this, these are our leaders. These are the next generation of leaders. They're literally college students. And here we are. Here we are. Well, they saving, will normalize. Our saving grace is almost all of them got vaccinated. <laughs> so you know uh, they're not going to be our leaders <laughs> right, they're, they're going right. to be they're going to be in a deep state of repentance is what uh, they're going to be yeah. in you know as uh. as many are and uh, unfortunately i've seen so many people uh very close to me not listen to anything i said no matter how much evidence i gave them and many of them are now seriously injured and crazy, that man. even includes people that i love and care about same and it's very, very sad, but you know, it, this is our adult responsibility. An adult is someone who accepts responsibility for their choices. But the problem is, is that part of this whole brainwashing campaign in the education system keeps people in a position of being a child and worshiping authority and not thinking for themselves. And this has been going on for thousands of years. And guys like me that pioneer new ideas and think for themselves get attacked. And my whole career has been one attack after another. Um, it's been less in the last 10 years, but the thir- first 30 years was pretty intense. But I guess kept telling people, I can back up everything I'm saying. I can prove it to you. I can prove it to you physically. I can prove it to you scientifically. So you have a choice. You can listen to what sick people are saying and call it facts, or you can listen to a healthy person. <laughs> And practice it. Um, what what are three or four essentials about children that all expecting parents and current parents need to know? You know, for the children that are unborn, I would say that consciousness around conception, birth, and postpartum is essential. Right now, that means you could totally want 
all the conventional obstetrical practices, but there should be informed consent. There should be power given to the patient and the mom specifically uh, so that they make choices from an, an empowered perspective, right? But the birth, so, so, so for my lens, birth trauma is, is something that is clearly like part of the medical literature since the late 1800s where upwards to, to the modern, modern um, actual data shows that 100% of our kids have some sort of neurological interference that's stored in their system that has to be somehow removed in a certain way, right? For me, I'm obviously biased. Pediatric chiropractic is something that I subscribe to, but it can be the work that you do, Paul. You know, the work that you do with your kids. I imagine, like, I can just envision them in your rock garden, you know, in, in, <laughs> like stacking their own their own boulders at some point. Oh yeah, they're doing that a lot. But let's go back to like Price and Pottinger, right? Like Pottinger's cats. What's the point of that book? The point of that book is that there's absolutely this radical wisdom in our body that expects expects what we call in chiropractic an innate lifestyle and a lifestyle that is based upon how our genes like have literally evolved over time and they expect a certain environment mind body spiritual environment that if you provide that the body heals optimally right so well you know <sighs> You know, another perspective, instead of using the word expect, it's um, when you pick up a glove with five fingers on it, you expect that your hand will fit into it. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that the hand and the glove are designed for each other. A glove protects a hand and a hand wears a glove. So the the environment is the glove that the human uh, creature is emergent from or emerges within so when you start uh, putting gloves out there with four fingers or three fingers or two fingers which would be like missing four doctors right if you don't have quiet diet movement happiness and creativity then your gloves got fingers chopped off of it so the the reality that i'm saying is that what we've done is we've turned the environment into a series of commodities that are objects and we've taken the life right out of it, which is exactly what this whole um, scientific, um, transhumanistic, corporate, uh, poisonous agenda is doing. And they're just turning everything into a, a commodity and everything. And they're trying to get rid of connection to God, to soul and biohack everything and control everything. But ultimately, it's all about total control and uh, making the few billionaires on the planet trillionaires at our expense. And so the point I'm making is they keep cutting fingers off the glove or sewing them shut. So now our kids, instead of going out into the environment, like my kids have trees, they've got gardens, they've got uh, a trampoline, they've got a PlayStation area. They've got a ninja warrior course, a parkour course. They've got skateboards. They got, uh, you know, everything for their motor development, from balance to coordination to color stimulation to art supplies to musical instruments. Everything that a kid should have to explore, and they get their feet on the ground. They get in the swimming pool. You know, they got animals. They learn. They take care of chickens. They got dogs. You know. Their immune systems are being developed. 
they're they're learning what life is. So it was very important for for me, Angie, and Penny to to put the children in an environment that that nurtures and fosters children that are an expression of the environment. But when you when you put people into sterile buildings and apartment buildings, and then you put masks on their face and you feed them junk food, etc. then what do you got? You've, you've got a kid that's born with five fingers, but the environment only has one or two fingers. And so the rest of it starts to die. I mean, that's a perfect analogy, Paul, whether you look at it from a genetic perspective, an epigenetic perspective, and how the genome actually fits together, like it literally fits like a glove, right? If you actually do, as you're saying, the environment, I've been to Rainbow House, like I've seen literally the acreage that your kids get to be a part of, that is innately designed for them to be perfect in perfect unison and synergy, right? Or you could look at it from a neurohormonal perspective where the literal ways that our neurotransmitters, our hormonal system, all those different kind of biomarkers that hit specific receptors, it's a specific glove that it's supposed to be. Or you can look at the the way that food, like whole food, breaking down like a whole complex vitamin C versus an ascorbic acid or scorbate, you know, which is the active ingredient. Like it is a, it is a web of intelligence that most people will never even know exists. And if you provide that for your kid, then you get the theme. You get the theme where our kids consistently in our in our community, our parents basically would just say, like, my kids are way ahead of their peers. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's normal. That's what they're supposed to do. So for me, it that the belief system is the first thing is believing that the only way onto the planet right now is two half cells coming together and that gestational process that a, a mother's body takes in 9 months turns transforms transmutes transcends this energetic being into a 26 billion cell being without have to, having to consciously control that process, understanding that your child is made from that brilliance is the key to helping them understand that if your kids are fighting certain challenges right now, whether it's delays or learning or anything like that, is the key for them to actually heal from it. So it's a belief system first. It's actually having what I call in my practice, you know, we teach a workshop called the perfect storm, which is the perfect storm of all the shit that these kids have to go through that leads to these essential neurodevelopmental neurobehavioral delays, right? And so for us, you do the opposite of that. You do the opposite of that. Like you're saying, have them live a primal lifestyle, have them live in a neat lifestyle and if they can continually do that then they end up with the building blocks and the resources that lead to a level of optimum so i I usually use this example paul let me ask you a question what do you think the rates of chronic illness in my practice are for kids you mean of people coming in off the street as first time i would say for those that have been with me for a while oh i would probably say it's almost non-existent it's non-existent Right. And so that's what I've been telling a lot of these legislators and these leaders. It's like, are they lucky? Is it by accident or is it because we've done a steady level of education and empowering of our parents to help them create an optimal environment for their kids? And which I believe in my view, like I said, I am, I am biased in this is there is nothing more important 
than who you choose as your doctor. And if they choose us, if they choose us and we get to look through our lens clinically, which is, you know, rather similar to a Western perspective, but also understanding a holistic view of their neurology and they get adjusted and their nervous system is fully connected and experiencing the environment in its optimal capacity, then that's where we start to see like a lot of the old stuff or the chronic stuff unwind, right? So I would say if I could recap, number one is a lens that your kids are made brilliantly. Number two is recognizing that you could literally shift and change the full family tree of your, of your, of your family by conscious conception, conscious birth, conscious postpartum. Number three is creating an optimal environment for your kids, how they eat, move, think, like you said, rest, how much nature they have, how much like they actually ground on a day-to-day basis, how their sleep and their, how their regenerative pathways are actually firing. And then at the end of the day, adjustments are, in my view, like I said, I'm biased, but I don't know anybody that gets the results that we do in our practice. Many of you are aware of the importance of magnesium, but very few are aware that most of the magnesium products out there are not high quality and seldom do what they say they'll do on the bottle or the package. But Bioptimizers has produced the most comprehensive magnesium breakthrough product on the market. I've got Wade here to tell us a little bit about it. Wade, what makes your magnesium breakthrough product so unique? Well, I think because we combine a variety of magnesiums. In fact, we use seven different types. So if you look at all the research papers out there, you'll see that they'll use various magnesiums, whether it's orotate, malate, you know, sucrosomial is a hot one that's just come out recently. And they're rated on bioavailability. But the biggest component that a lot of people don't understand with magnesium is that different types of magnesium are uptaken by different parts of the body or different organs, some in your brain, some in your nervous system, some are vasodilators. And so there's a variance in people's responses depending on what they need magnesium for. So we went out to try and solve this problem by combining all seven of the best magnesiums into one single capsule, which was very difficult because number one, the bonding size was different. The nozzles for the machines wouldn't work. We don't use any fillers or uh, chemical uh, excipients, the flow regulators. And then we got them in the caps and the caps rose. We had to do specialized caps. But when we solved all those problems and turned it out for ourselves because we were tired of buying, you know, I had a whole counter full of magnesiums. Well, guess what? A lot of people said this was the best magnesium product they've ever taken. And after being in this business for 18 years, it's quickly moved to our number one selling product in Bioptimizer history. What are just two or three things that magnesium is really supportive of? I know sleep challenges is one of them. What are some of the other key issues? Well, it acts as a down regulator for your nervous system to kind of help you relax and go into, you know, out of fight or flight. And that's the biggest factor, especially today in a, in a high blue light electromagnetic frequency world that we find ourselves in a high stimulus environment. It's also critical for vasodilation. And vasodilation increases blood flow. And many times when we are suffering from a variety of pain or conditions in the body, it's because we're not getting oxygen in or toxins out of those tissues. And you've written a lot about it in your work. And so magnesium breakthrough, because it's so powerful and not available uh, in North American diets because of what we've done with farming, 
Uh, it's a great way to augment your diet and it's easy to get. You go to magnesiumbreakthrough.com or magbreakthrough.com slash living4d. You can get a 10% discount and it's a money back guarantee. If it's not the best magnesium you've ever taken, you get your money back. Mag, M-A-G, breakthrough.com, magbreakthrough.com forward slash living4d. And is there a discount for the listeners? 10% all right. the listeners. All right, give it a go, you guys. Everything I use from Bioptimizers is the best I've ever used. That's why I love Wade and Bioptimizers. So you've heard how it's made, why it's made, and how it works. If you want the best, go get it. Are you familiar with Nathan Riley? <laughs> yeah, I love oh, Nathan. Okay, cool. Yeah, because he's he's uh, our family OBJYN and he was so blown away by just being around us at the hospital and all the food we brought, the water, the Oregon generating pyramids and how our room felt and how we unplugged any unnecessary electronics and all that. He started snooping into me and came back to me and goes, oh my God, you run this health institute? So the long story, he, he became a, an HLC practitioner and he's completed HLC too. And he's now gone off and started his own practice. So I would just share for anybody that's uh, uh, maybe considering to be a parent or has young kids that, that are interested in hearing from a truly holistic MD that, that really gets it. Uh, his podcast is the Holistic OBGYN, and uh, he also does consulting for people. And so I've referred a lot of people to him. So they at least have a medical doctor that really understands the system, the drugs, the the vaccinations and, and they can get sound advice from an MD when they want MD advice. Nathan and I were connected through another common uh, friend of ours is Josh Trent. Oh, cool. Yeah. They connected us to, and Nathan and I, we talked offline and we're like, holy cow, we're like kind of kindred spirits because we feel like both of us through different lenses safeguard the way life is essentially being brought onto the planet. And people like Nathan who understand consciousness around birth consciousness around conception are in my opinion easily some of the most important human beings that exist today absolutely that can really get to the root cause of a lot of the different challenges here and the sad thing is that people like nathan that have really devoted themselves to being honest medical doctors have put themselves at great risk oh, it's it's incredible so they're really you know the heroes of our day yeah, that's a, that's a really important point, Paul. Because you know, you're, we're seeing today in California these these legis these these bills coming out that essentially one of them is saying that they're going to prohibit medical doctors from speaking out. They're going to yeah. Prohibit. This is just horseshit. That's there's no other, and that's an, that's a criticism of horseshit because horseshit's <laughs> useful. <laughs> it's offensive to horseshit by calling it horseshit, and but what it's part of why I've been so vocal. Like chiropractors have had unique boards, you know, like our board came out earlier and said, Hey, we're, we're, a, we're an informed consent board. We're not going to shut down your speech. We're not going to talk about like, we're not going to choose one side versus the other. We're just going to say that you guys need the inf information. And so I saw people like medical doctors, like being attacked and being threatened and being sued for the last 10 years in California because of all the exemptions and those types of things investigated high high priced lawsuits and they they were literally scared to even say a word over the last 2 years and so people like Nathan who speaks out like Nathan is a brave man one of his mentors who's one of my mentors Dr. Stuart Fishbein who is 
one of his like kind of OB mentors, he speaks out, take great risk because the loss and the, the, the capacity of losing not only their license, their livelihood and their reputation and all those aspects of things is far greater than it actually is for me at this point, because we have some level of protection and understanding that are that's a professional level, you know? Well, you know, a, a very good perspective that I think is important for people to consider is that the more they try to censor us, the more it's an indication that they're losing their battle that's a good and, point. and they're having to squeeze even harder because if what they were telling was the truth, it would be scientifically validated. It would be obvious. And, you know, the truth always has a ring to it. it you feel the truth, but to the degree that they've got a, defame people, deface people, manipulate people, use false fact checkers that are all paid by Bill Gates and people related to the whole agenda and and stop us from communicating, which, you know, you know, as a soldier, I, I know from my basic military strategy, battlefield strategy training, the first thing they taught us, whenever you want to take over an enemy, there's two things you do. You knock out their communications and you cut off their food supply. Well, that's exactly what they're doing to us. Right. They're knocking off our communications and they're cutting off the food supply, which cutting off the food supply, I think, is a good thing because it forces people to start growing their own food and paying attention to where the local farmers are because it won't be long before there will be nothing in the supermarkets, which as stressful as it might be to people, it actually could be the greatest thing that ever happened to them. I've got books in my library, multiple books showing that during the First and Second World Wars, when there was food shortages, 50% of people started gardens in their backyard and the rates of disease went through the floor. And as soon as the wars were over and all the processed food factories started up again, then the diseases all just came rushing back. I don't know if you remember that early on, right? Like in two years ago, March, when they started, it, like people got really scared. Like I, we never shut down. We never stopped working. We never slowed down in any capacity, but the freeways were empty. Yes. And it was quiet. Yeah. And it was I started kind of to hear, <laughs> I started to hear birds in where I live. I live in UTC, so it's highly populated. You don't see that. You don't hear like different varying species. You, and you started to see like nature come back because we were not polluting the environment. Like we were literally not physically in the environment anymore. And you start to see what's possible by humans not being, you know, in it. But that's exactly what you're saying, right, Paul? It's like, yeah, there were some really I would I would venture to guess that your listeners, my community members, look at the last two years as, you know, for what it is. We see the truth. We see what they've done. We see the the defamation, the demonization, the vilification of of all the people that are speaking out. But we also know that there are some deep, deep blessings on recognizing that we've gotten to expose who this enemy is. We've gotten to see how long and how vast and how like the width, breadth, and depth of the agenda. And now many of us are making just these new choices, freeing us from this level of enslavement and system that you never potentially would have if it wasn't for the last two years, right? If it wasn't for the craziness that actually happened, it made you question the system. And most of the people that I know that are of our kind of makeup essentially have, I mean, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to 2019 to the degree that it was because we were already fucked. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, we were, we were on a, a gangplank heading, heading right for, 
deep water (laughs) full of sharks um you know because even if business was continued as usual we'll we'll have an environmental crisis of major proportion probably you know honestly maybe within 10 years and and so you know there's there's a million uh, issues that have to be addressed but uh the good news is that like you said this is you know the devil you know is always better than the devil you don't know but at least now we know who the devils are and so we can make choices about doing something about it and it's absolutely lovely to see the real doctors realizing they can't practice medicine within the medical system and going off and starting private businesses and network associations and things that allow them the legal ability to practice and do real medicine and and so like like you're saying there's a lot of blessings inside this kind of murky ugly situation and it's been fantastic because we've had just a record number of people coming through holistic lifestyle coach training and and the institute and and i know many other people from kelly brogan to sawyer g to um andrew kaufman md uh you know they're all running their own various themes of get healthy programs and and they're booming so you know you always have to look for the light in the dark and you know it's just like in life every crisis brings an opportunity and i think one of the things people need to do is focus on the opportunity not the crisis or all you do is you just stress yourself to death and end up on a uh, in a medical doctor's office where they're trying to force vaccinate you and give you more drugs and and the very stuff that led to the crisis in the first place now we talk about the changes in infant development and the crawling stage. I'm curious, what do you think uh, the etiology is of this? I mean, we've talked about the foods, but do you think that there's, do you think this is related to vaccines or do you think it's just a, a general accumulation and why would they lower the standards instead of putting an alarm out and saying, we got to do something different because our children are degenerating. Man, I have, I have a couple answers for this first i don't know what's worse i don't know what's worse right the first answer is i see pediatrician uh, influencers you know those that have hundred something thousand followers on on social media and they were making comments about how like yeah like the the language thing that's that's i get that but i don't understand why crawling is essential i don't understand why crawling is a milestone right so that's like you shake your head you say it immediately because you know immediately that the body and the mind and the whole consciousness is is a part of it, right? Like one of the big issues that we have today is that we have a, we have a generation of people, humans, that would see a cat crawling weird or a dog with a funny gait and they'd be like, what is wrong with my animal? But they would never question that something's off with their kid, just like... They would probably be like, you know, to the kid that has a bag of potato chips or some sort of like processed snack feeding their dog. They'd be, they'd say, Hey, Johnny, don't feed that to the dog. That's going to make him sick and kill him. (laughs) Yeah. But that's for you. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no line, right? Like it does that make sense. Like we have a generation of people that have no concept, right? That is, and that's, that's not just uh, us. That's it's doctors. painful to have to laugh at that. Right? I mean, but it but it is really a display of the lack of common sense that that has totally. 
you know, and what that is, is is proof of Pottinger's cats that even the third generation were screwed up. Right. So this, so the, one of the pediatricians that I follow, I love the way this guy's talked about truth in a very balanced way during the last two years. But when he posted that, I was like, dude, you have no concept of what, like, if you're questioning why crawling is essential for the human species and the human animal, like, I have a problem with that because your lens of understanding all of these kids and their normal development in your practice is is skewed completely, right? So that's a good guy. Let's look at the the people who work at CDC. Let's look at people who are, you know, career politicians who never see kids in practice making policy. And you're just like, they, if this guy's off, there's no way they can even hold the candle to, to anything clinically of understanding anything with kids. So these are the people guiding policy, right? But you're asking about the etiology, man. I, I think it has a lot to do with vaccines for sure, because it is, like you said, night and day. I was asked on a podcast in early, I think, 2020 when I started to get more vocal and the woman asked me, how many, how, what do you think the percentage of children are vaccine injured? And I said, that's a really hard question to answer. You mean like down spiral into nonverbal autism, like low functioning autism? She's like, no, I would say, I'd say, well, my answer is all of them. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you wouldn't, you can't, you cannot argue if you saw a population, if the reason why they'll never do the unvaxxed versus vaxxed study is because we know exactly what they would see. We would see kids that are far surpassed functionally, holistically than the kids that are common. If you increase the number of required shots, which we've done steadily since 1986, then we know that we're going to see the hockey puck of the epidemic of neurodevelopmental neurobehavioral disorders. But that doesn't include things like allergies. That doesn't count like food sensitivities, like one in 13 kids, old study, has some sort of anaphylactic food allergy. And no one, no one even like questions where the heck that's actually coming from. If you study allergies, if you look at some of the early studies on allergies, allergies became a thing after shots. But the whole anaphylaxis like process, why does that even happen? That happens with things like snake bites that happens with things like, you know, punctures, like when, when the skin is actually broken, that's the only time we had anaphylaxis, but now it's so regular in kids that you can't bring peanuts into school without like telling people, right? It's such a dangerous environment for a child to be in, you know, totally. Like, you know, when you consider that how uneducated parents are or brainwashed or just, you know, completely like detached from what it, means to be a parent and what a child's needs are it's pretty shocking but before i forget i wanted to mention are you familiar with the book called wisdom of the body moving by linda hartley i don't mm -mm. oh you would love it you know i teach infant development in the institute it's part of the czech practitioner program um and the beautiful thing about infant development is it works at any age so once you know how to implement infant development but Linda Hartley's book of, of probably 40 books I have on infant development, I think is the most readable and probably the most complete. And um, she shows exactly how each stage of infant development integrates glands, organs, the nervous system, the brain and the musculoskeletal system. And she has it all graphed out and charted out. And so 
you know, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but, you know, I developed my primal pattern system in 1988. And then I went to the Czech Republic and studied under Vladimir Yonda and Carol Levitt, who you surely know are two of the of key pioneers of, an, of the entire field of musculoskeletal rehabilitation, both of which were into visceral reflexes and, and many very advanced concepts. But I studied infant development there in that advanced training program and learned about the Voita method. Voita was a doctor in the Czech Republic that studied childhood development for 50 years. But what I saw in my training was they, they brought people out to give us demonstrations. And they, a woman who, I think she had a head on car accident, but she'd been a coma in a coma for like three months. And so the therapist, it was a Voita trained physical therapist. And she, you, they, the Voita method uses reflex points that Voita identified on the body that trigger the infant development programs to activate, which is why kids have to have an environment where they can crawl and they're supposed to lay on their stomach, not their backs. And that's another thing, the whole SIDS thing where they were having kids lay on their backs is completely dysfunctional. And I was speaking out against that forever. But what was really interesting is this woman was pretty much paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, she couldn't walk. She was just like a ball in a wheelchair. But they laid her on the floor and the Voita therapist began touching the key reflex points that activate the infant development software in the motor system. And her body began to move. And it moved like she was crawling, but she was laying on her back. So her arms and legs started moving. And it was like watching someone hit the go button on a robot so I said, and they had a translator there for us. And I asked the translator, can you please ask her what she feels inside of herself when this is happening? And the woman responded. She said, it's as though something's happening inside me, but I don't know how it's happening. It's happening all by itself, which shows you that the infant development system, I describe it to my students as the reflex points are like the keys on a piano. And the environment plays the keys, but you have to have a child in an environment that is natural, such as soft floors. The first thing we did when Monica, when Angie was pregnant, I said, we got to get a certified organic crawling mat for him. So he has time on the floor every day with a soft mat because so many parents have hard surfaces in their house and then kids don't want to crawl on hard surfaces because how long can you crawl around in your house and on a wooden floor before your knees are just black and blue, etc. But the punchline I'm working to, when I came back from the Czech Republic, I was so impressed with infant development. I bought piles of books, the most comprehensive, best books. I studied a lady named Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen's work. And it's excellent. She's a master of infant development. So if you look her name up, Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, um, and she was Linda Hartley's teacher, if I remember right. And so I'm studying all these infant development books. So I did about three years of really deep study because I wanted to put infant development into the Czech program because I could see, and I started doing it on myself. I started doing, taking all these books and studying them and looking for videos on infant development and, and doing it on myself. And, and it turned out to be the only thing I could use to rehabilitate my really serious neck injury that was wow. getting me good results, um, which, which is later down the line. But so this is around 2002, I think I, I went to the Czech Republic training. 
So I'm studying all these infant development books, and I'm reading Linda Hartley's books, and I started saying, okay, if I'm going to develop an infant development training program for my students, I've got to break it down into stages. And all of a sudden, I'm reading this book, and I'm looking through the stages, and it hit me like a lightning bolt. I went, holy shit, this is mind-blowing. You're not going to believe what happened. I recognized that the exact seven movements that are my primal patterns, which I came to through a completely different analysis, I identified the primal patterns by asking, what movements would we have to do to survive in nature due to the selective pressures oh, of nature? Interesting. And so I then took every exercise that I could think of or find in any book, and I had whiteboards and blackboards covered with the names of all these exercises. And I said, okay, which exercise depends on what movement? So I'd say, okay, you got a ball. You're going to throw a ball. You have to push the ball. That's a push pattern. You have to twist. That's a twist pattern. And you have to lunge. That's a lunge pattern. So a ball throw is three patterns, a lunge, a twist, and a throw. So then I said, okay, what exercises can't be done without twisting? And then what exercises can't be done without squatting? So after, you know, probably a year of, of synthesizing and synthesizing, I came to the realization that you have to be able to squat, lunge, bend, push, pull, twist, and have gait. Gait has three derivations, walking, jogging, and running, which are all neurologically separate in the motor system. And I'm looking at these infant development books, and lo and behold, the first thing a kid does is push its head up, pick its head up and pick itself up so it can see further. It pulls itself forward and backwards. It lunges when it's learning to stand. It squats when it's learning to stand. Its twisting pattern is the first pattern it develops in utero because it's the most complex for the spine, so it develops in an anti-gravity environment. And I went, holy shit! The same seven patterns are infant development patterns. So then I was able to show my students, if you can't do it on the ground, you won't be able to do it standing upright. And I took thousands of athletes from all over the world and showed them that they had infant development deficits. That's why they had developed injuries because they, I'll give you an example. I had a professional baseball pitcher from, I think it was the Yankees, probably in oh, early 2000s, maybe 2005 or six, come to me with he had, I think it was his third shoulder injury, and he's a pitcher. And I identified that his great toe wouldn't dorsiflex normally, he had turf toe. So, what he couldn't do is he could not step across his leg. So, to compensate for the lack of the ability to generate force from his legs, he had to over accelerate his trunk and rely on his shoulder to accelerate the ball, which wore his shoulder out. So what I did to make a long story short is I rehabilitated his great toe and all of a sudden his shoulder functioned normally and he could throw the ball a lot harder and a lot faster and he thought it was a miracle, but it's just all based on how the kinetic chain works and how the body works. But I've had to use infant development for countless elite athletes that was able to get rid of chronic problems they'd had for many, many years. But this, it, it, the, the, the key point I'm driving at behind all this is one there are these key movements that the environment programs into us and has done the entire evolution of humanity because 
we are created by the environment to serve the environment, just like birds serve the environment and bees serve the environment and insects are the sex organs of the planet. Without them, the environment couldn't exist. So the environment not only creates pollen, but it creates things with wings to carry it around. And so when we destroy the environment, you, 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 I have this concept called the echo effect, energy, chemistry, hydration, and organisms. Well, in the environment, you have to have the right balance of energy. For example, if you light a fire, it's too much energy. It burns things down. If you have too much electromagnetic pollution, it kills bees and destroys the environment. Chemistry, if you poison the water and poison the soil, then you destroy the environment. So energy, chemistry, hydration, if you don't have adequate water to hydrate, then everything dies and organisms all eat each other. So if your organisms are sick and poisoned, then everything dies. The point I'm making with regard to the situation we're talking about, we have too much high power energy going into natural biological systems and they're not designed for that. The body operates on a minimal electrical neuromuscular stimulation principle. Are you familiar with the Arndt Schultz law? I'm not. Arndt Schultz law says weak stimuli activate physiological processes, moderate stimuli favor them, and strong stimuli inhibit them. It's a physiological law. So when you start putting cell phones to your head, research by Ross Addy showed, for example, that the cell phone transmission, when the signal's coming from a cell phone antenna to your antenna in your phone, it's one million times the amount of energy that a brain cell uses to a talk to another brain cell. So the, the key point I'm driving at with all these dialoguing points with you is that when we change our environment, we force changes inside of us, but because our body is actually designed to interface with the environment and it takes billions of years to develop the genetics and the ad adaptations that made us the way we are. And yet, in the last hundred years, we've changed the environment more than all four billion years combined. So no wonder these kids are breaking down. No wonder athletes are breaking down. No wonder there's so many athletes that have to use steroids to even compete because they're coming in dysfunctional. Hi, everybody. You know, Symbiotica just came out with a new product that I got to test, and I want to tell you about it because a lot of you are like me. you got some aches and pains. You know, I've been around for a while and been thrown off horses, motorcycles, and all sorts of things, and there's an area in my body that hurts quite a lot due to having two discs blown out, and that's my lower cervical spine. And Shervine just showed up to visit me with his beautiful partner, Jamie, and handed me this bottle of Ultimate Pain Balm. And he said, Paul, try this. And I put it on my neck and within seconds, my pain was gone. But even better, I felt like all my chakras are opening up and I'm being tapped into nature. So, Shervine, what did you do? <laughs> How did you do that? Because this is really good. It smells amazing. I mean, I don't really have words. I, I, I might just go mute here because I'm smelling it and it's taking me into some mystical journey. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look look at the color of it. That it's is beautiful. It looks that, like a, a turquoise. What turquoise? Maybe. Yeah, kind of. That's a that's called blue tansy, uh -huh. which is a very very rare uh, flower. Yeah. And we use the essence of blue tansy. It goes with pain relief. Mm -hmm. Blue is cooling. This is an organic artisan blend of some of the most powerful topical medicinals in the world, and its ability to penetrate and create immediate effect is is just 
absolutely stunning. Yeah, and it's acting on an energetic level immediately. It, it really does. And, you know, for s- people that are having breathing issues, children that are having breathing mm-hmm. breathing issues, instead of the Vicks rub, which is filled yeah. with chemicals and all kinds yeah. of stuff, you put that on the chest, put it anywhere on the body. Sometimes I put it a little bit under my nose. It yeah. opens up my sinuses. Mm-hmm. It's very potent. So, yes. So someone like, you know, men, we don't want to like, put that on our fingers and put it in our private area if you know yeah, what i mean yeah you have a hot rod <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's a journey it's never been done before at this level mm-hmm. it's sitting in myron glass just like you know most of our stuff yeah and i'm very very i'm very happy with where we're at with this people are having the best reviews and it's a go-to for me every day so it's great for muscle pain joint pain anything else burns cuts anything any restricted breathing yep restricted breathing put it on the chest headaches a lot headaches. of people are getting cluster headaches because they're not mineralized properly yep. or they're out of alignment. This can open up those senses and allow clarity. I look at it as it opens up the highways of life with from within. Plus, it's hard to get a good pain balm that's all organic. So Absolutely. It's, it's nice to know you can put something on your body that's clean. Yeah. I can tell you, I tried it. I'm not easy to impress. And I'm sitting here right now with no pain in my neck and this feeling of a fullness of energy. And uh, it's definitely worth trying if you want a, a little backup in your toolkit for when things are aching or if you have some old chronic stuff like I do. So go to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com and on checkout, use the code CHECK15 to get your 15% Living 4D discount. You will find this very impressive. I sure did. This is your medicine journey. There it is. Talking about that athlete where he couldn't dorsiflex his toe, which means basically bringing it up, right? Is you could probably, which for the parents that are listening now, since we video our kids and and take pictures of our kids so often now, you would probably see an issue with that guy in his infantile stage with how he crawled with his left foot. One of the things that we check is like a toe dig, right? Like kids should have this, this like, this ability to create this paw type pattern at a very early age. That's a higher level kind of brainstem brain function that they're, they're born with that programming, right? At four weeks in utero, Paul, there is a reflex that's programmed in that baby. That's called a moral reflex. The moral reflex looks funny. It's when there's a loud sound or they feel like they're falling that they throw their arms out like this. It's like but a what surprise reaction. It's it's a, it becomes a startle reflex later. If that's retained, it becomes this this adult sometimes they loud sounds or the sense of falling or some sort of increased stimuli causes them to startle right but that reflex is when babies were you know hunter gatherers and hanging on the mom and they fell they would fall and they would distribute the force to their body by throwing their arms out what that outward movement does is it causes inhalation causes extension of the spine causes increase of catecholamines increase of stress hormones it almost like gives them the paddles so that if they do have trauma that they live when they land they close their body off they go into flexion they cause exhalation and it jump starts their nervous system that's a foundational primitive reflexes that virtually every every in utero fetal you know development is part of by eight weeks they can grab with their hands and their feet which is talking about what we're talking about with your with your athlete right by 12 to 16 weeks they develop like you're saying the cross crawl rotational pattern through a reflex called the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex but they also develop lateral flexion 
through the spinal gallant reflex. Those two reflexes are the foundation to the ability for babies to learn all these primal innate movement patterns that you don't have to teach babies how to move. You're not supposed to have to teach babies how to move. Yeah, it's all inborn as long as the environment supports it. As long as it supports it. But 20 to 24 weeks is when babies learn root, suck, and latch. And most people don't recognize that you that that there are two boobs, not because of like supply, but because the neurodevelopment of babies being able to scan and pan and understand latching and rotating in the biomechanics, the neurobiomechanics of latching on the left breast is the opposite for the right breast. And so a lot of times parents will like, wait, yeah, she only nursed on the left. You're like, interesting. So I bet you would start to see these unique asymmetries that would lead to motor patterns later. And so for us, we look at these kids and we say, it should be as optimal as possible. We should be able to do like I did earlier today. I did a full infant exam on a baby that has been in the earth side 11 days. And I do a full functional exam on them to understand how their primitive reflexes are functioning. And oftentimes I can tell like, Hey, I bet your baby latches better on the right side. Oh yeah. The left side totally, totally hurts. It's all chewed up. And you're like, great. Let's talk about that. Let's see how we can help them normalize their neurobiomechanics so that they can function optimally, not just because we need to heal your breast and not because they need to eat right now, but because that's what will be their foundation to normal innate movement patterns later. And that's what you're sharing, right? So for me, I look at this whole change in the AAP and the CDC about these milestones. And I look at this, like you're saying, this third generation of humans that are making policy that have no fucking clue what they're doing. They have no clue clinically. They're told what to do. They push a couple buttons and it becomes a document that becomes the policy. But if we get higher into the web of understanding, I started 2020 believing that these um, dark forces, these nefarious companies and these beings behind the, whether it's the Great Reset or any of that, I started thinking like, they just have no clue. They don't know what health is. They don't know what food, like they don't know all these, but then you start to see Bill Gates by the, by the farmland and you're like, he fucking knows. Oh, they yeah. know exactly what they're causing. They cause injuries that aren't decimating this generation of humanity. Yes, we have chronic illnesses. Yes, I shared the statistics of all the kids that have problems. The adults that have chronic illness today is 80% has one at least one chronic illness. That's four out of five people. That's out of our listeners. I would say there's not that much different in some respects, but they're not after this generation. They're after future generations. They're after the fact that if we can keep our parents enslaved in this mindset, have them totally unaware that their kids have delays, they'll stop doing all these diagnoses as much. They'll stop doing a lot of these services in some respects. And, and what they will have is a generation of kids that will never be able to procreate, that will never be able to learn, that will never be able to do all the things that you're talking about. That will right? be forever a profit center for them. And that will be a slave to the system forever, right? That's the thing that drives me crazy. And so I think it's one on one end, they don't know, which is a problem. On the other end is there's a web of psychological operations that is generations deep at this point that are helping continue the enslavement mentally to the pharma system, essentially. 
Well, here's a, a, a thing that I've pondered. I would really love to see an investigation done into the children of the standard American medical doctors, the CDC's children, the, the people in the CDC, the World Health Organization. And it's interesting, a few years ago, I came across a podcast that was talking to a doctor who was personal friends of Bill Gates' personal physician, and he confided that Bill Gates does not have his children vaccinated. And when questions about it, he said they don't need it. I'm like, okay, Bill Gates does not get his kids vaccinated. At least this is what I was told through yep. this podcast. Yet here he is trying to demand that everybody else's kids get vaccinated. And I wouldn't doubt if he doesn't even his own junk food either. Although looking at his body, Angie <laughs> brought a picture of him, a recent picture. And she said, look at, I said, well, the good news is he's going to die pretty soon. So maybe we're safe because he's so full of inflammation that it's just unbelievable. I mean, he, he's got a belly that's swollen like a, like an alcoholic and he does not look healthy at all to a skilled eye not in any capacity. But there's a thing we haven't talked about that I want to bring up, especially for parents that have um, children of breastfeeding age. And that is one of the things I, one of my key teachers was a man named Mariano Roccobato, who is a professor of dentistry and physiotherapy at the University of uh, Chile in Santiago, Chile. And I studied with him for many years. And he showed us a lot of research on what happens when people bottle feed their children and how it completely disrupts the tongue mechanism, the orofacial mechanism, and the jaw. And he showed that due to the way that a breast is sucked, the jaw has to come forward, catch, and pull. Just like when you milk a cow, you have to start at the top of the tit and work your way down. If you just squeeze a cow's udder, nothing comes out. So a child actually has to rotate its jaw by protruding, sucking, and pulling. And so Mariano Roccobato showed us that that's what work hardens the temporomandibular joint and the temporal bone, which is the thinnest bone in the cranium. And he, he made a very important statement. He said, if you were to survey all the boxers that are known for having glass jaws, chances are very good you'd find they were all bottle fed because they did not breastfeed. So they didn't develop strength in the temporal bone. And that's the weakest point where the, uh, the temporomandibular joint right there where the, um, I'm brain farting, the uh, mandibular condyle meets the temporal bone. And so if you get hit on the chin and you're not well developed there, it'll just knock you out because the shock just goes right into your brain and knocks you out. But he, he showed that the rate of temporomandibular disc degeneration and joint disease was something like 30% higher in people that bottle fed their children than breastfed. Because it's not normally, it's not doing the normal work that breastfeeding does. And also breastfeeding is one of the most important in initial stages of the infant development process. And so what I do in class is I show my students and anyone listening or watching, if, if we, if we have a video on this, you can put your fingers right in this space below your skull where your suboccipital muscles are. And if you use one hand and then take your thumb and then suck your thumb like you would normally suck a nipple, you'll see that it fires off your paraspinal muscles. And so what it is, it's actually preconditioning for the postural and the stabilizer muscles to get ready to deal with gravity. But when you use a bottle, then gravity feeds 
And the other problem is as bottle nipples wear out, as you know, they crack. So kids get so much flow, they have to start doing what's called a tongue thrust to stop the flow of milk, which then disrupts their oral facial coordination and leads to speech disorders and disfiguration of the face and the jaw. So a lot of parents don't realize this whole thing to push kids into baby formulas and bottle feeding and get them off the breast is one of the most devastating things you can do for the development of the entire body, especially the, the musculoskeletal system or the motor system of the body. And it leads to kids with all sorts of chronic degenerative changes, movement disorders, discoordination, chronic back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. And, you, you know, without going into a long discussion, whenever you have dysfunction in the musculoskeletal system, it has a negative effect on the glands and the organs that share innervation through the sympathetic chain. And if you have any inflammation in any gland or organ, it will reflexively shut down blood flow to the muscles that it shares a relationship with because it wants to make sure blood, oxygen, nutrition get to the injured or sick or inflamed gland and organ and waste removal happens. So I often show people in the gym, for example, if you go to a lat pull down and just sit there for a few minutes and watch, inevitably within minutes, you'll find someone who can't pull the bar evenly. Maybe their right arm is pulling harder than their left. And almost always, for example, that would represent inflammation in the stomach, shutting down the scapular adductors and lats on that side. Or you watch people squat. And if they have a problem with their uh, ascending colon or the cecum, which is very, the, the appendix, which is very common, then their right hip and leg muscles are shut down because the appendix links to the sciatic distribution. So you'll see that athletes shift away from the side. And then I take them, and one of the things I've done in, in uh, an example of this is I had a, the, one of my level four practitioners was working for the Canadian Olympic Committee because they are one of their top skiers several years ago who was a gold medal hopeful for the Olympics had back pain for over two years and none of the doctors could figure out what it was. And he analyzed this guy and he couldn't find any musculoskeletal findings at all. And he called me and said, Paul, this is the strangest case. This guy's got all the symptoms of sciatic pain and, it, and an L5 nerve root distribution problem, but his spinal function and his motor function's normal, but he has severe sciatic pain. I said, ask the guy how often he poops mm. and get back to me. So he went and talked to the skier. He said, I poop about once every three to 10 days. And I said, well, that's completely dysfunctional. I said, he's probably got fecal material trapped in his colon and it's causing a reflex inhibition, but the colon reflexes through the sciatic distribution. So I said, here's a simple test you can do. Find if you can get him to a colon hydrotherapist, mm. have his colon cleaned out, and then let him go training and skiing and see if it affects the sciatic pain. I got a call. Uh, the, the guy got the colon hydrotherapist the next day, went out and started training. Zero back pain or sciatic pain, completely knocked it out. That's all he had to do is clean his colon and then, of course, change his diet so he was eating properly. But what I'm bringing this up for is to show that, you know, you whatever you do to the inside, the glands and organs, you do to the outside. And whatever you do to the outside, you do the inside because you have viscerosomatic and somatovisceral pathways. And people keep thinking that the musculoskeletal system or the muscles and the joints are somehow isolated from everything internal. And look what we have in medicine a specialist for the liver, a specialist for the kidney, a specialist for 
the brain, a specialist for the heart. And none of those guys knows what the other ones are doing. And all the orthopedic surgeons, they still don't think anything on the inside has anything to do with what's going on on the outside. And they used to argue with me all the time because I would say the reason this guy keeps having rotator cuff injuries because his liver's all inflamed and he's eating trash and he needs to have his liver cleaned out. And they would say, oh, Paul, that's a bunch of bullshit. How can you even think that way? I say, okay, good. I have a question for you. What's one of the most common symptoms a woman has when she's premenstrual? And they'd sit there and think and they go, low back pain. I go, ha, hallelujah. And what's the symptoms of someone getting a heart attack? Do they come in and point to their heart or do they say, I have pain in my left arm and chest? Left arm and chest. I go, good. So you learn this in medical school, but here you are denying that I'm telling you the same thing. But the whole body does it, not just the heart, you know, not just the uterus. And they go, where'd you learn this? And I go, how about any anatomy book? <laughs> so I'd hand them, you know, an anatomy book. Uh, you know, and turn the pages and show them the distribution of the sympathetic chain ganglia and say, look, there it is right in front of you. And they'd act like it was some novel thing. Netter's anatomy lays it all out clear as a bell. That's why I tell a lot of the people in my office that come in all analytical and they want to know the research, like, where's your double blind randomized controlled trial on chiropractic for blank? I'm like, how about Netter's? And they're like, What's netters? I'm like, gosh, man, like if you just understood how yeah. the body was made, yes, then you would actually just, it's just common sense at that point. Hi, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I thought I'd take a minute to sing you a little song. Dr. Quiet, she is, you know how she loves to bring energy in. She teaches you how to rest so your energy is always at its best. Hey! And... I want to tell you a little secret. You know how I support Dr. Quiet? I use Organifi Gold, and it does some magic to help you sleep deeper and restore better so you can get up and be a freedom fighter first thing in the morning and all through the day. And I got Drew Canoli, who created the product right here, right now, to tell us why it works so well. Drew, what's so unique about Organifi Gold except the fact that my kids won't stop asking for it? I love this song. Thank you. And I think if we were DJing this, we would do Rishi. Because Rishi, full spectrum, eight to one, beta glucans, knock you out. The queen of mushroom. Rishi is one of the most powerful things we can put in our body, especially at night. Helps restore, revitalize, great for the liver. So while we sleep, not only are we restoring and repairing the cells, but we're detoxing in the most effective way possible. Yes. And it doesn't have to taste bad. In fact, it could be something you crave. Yeah. And that's Organifi Gold. It tastes like Autumn had a baby with a marshmallow. Every time I have it, it just knocks me out. I've literally tracked it with my Whoop, my Aura Ring, yeah. and it adds another hour to an hour and a half of deep sleep. That's great. Ramen deep every single night. You know what's also really cool? Rishi is a wise man. Mm. It's not only the name of a mushroom, but a Rishi is a wise man. Oh, true story. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's absolutely true. I'm not so, pulling your leg. And how much wisdom have you and I gained from night school? Dream a lot time. of wisdom. Yep. Yes, and you gain a lot when you can't sleep. You go, what am I doing wrong? And how do I get it fixed up? So, hey, you know, one time when I was visiting you at your house, you made me a gold, Organifi Gold as a hot tea, and I'd never realized you could make it hot. It's the best way. And I was like blown away. I'm like, wow, this is incredibly good. It tastes like dessert. Mm-hmm. But it, unlike most sweet things, if you take sweet stuff at night you can't sleep very well and it jacks you up but this stuff was just so relaxing and so amazing i was like wow this is incredible and i know you're allergic to coconut yeah right so but what i like to do and this is when i'm being bad 
you see there's a much bigger cannoli than the cannoli you see today. I, I would eat ice cream and all kinds of comfort food because I'm from Michigan. Uh-huh. But one thing that put my cravings in check, I take a little cocoa whip. Yeah. I put it on top of this oh, golden nice. tea. Okay. It is the best drink yeah. at night you could ever have. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm intolerant. I'm not allergic. So I did That's try it, it. It just makes me feel stressed. But I found that, you know, if I don't overdo it, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to have everybody try Organifi Gold because we all need to sleep deep and pay attention to what our soul tells us while we dream so we can work together to Mm. make this world a beautiful place for everybody and get our freedom back and get rid of the toxins in the government and other things we need to do. So it starts with good nutrition. Go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and get your Organifi Gold And while you're there, use the code CHEK20 in all caps to get your 20% discount because we want you on our freedom fighting team right now. Love you guys. Enjoy Organifi Gold. I think I get what your question is, Paul, because it's about nursing, right? It's about breastfeeding. Well, it wasn't a question. I was really just making a statement to share. I figured you already knew this, but I wanted to make sure that anyone that's got a small child does not get convinced in bottle feeding because it is dangerous and it is not the same as breastfeeding and it can lead to long-term chronic problems. It can lead to digestive trouble. It can lead to problems with the temporomandibular joint, facial growth and development, and a long, long list of other things. But so I was just sharing that and just to get your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I mean, we could go as far as to say that that suboccipital triangle and those areas of the spine have the highest concentration of mechanoreceptors of the whole body in a sense that mechanoreceptors are what tell our brain where our body is in space and where the space is in relationship to our body. And so if babies only nurse on one side or if they don't nurse or if they're, you know, and this is not to marginalize moms who have had these types of challenges because it is so common today. One, because they are immediately in the hospital, just say, Hey, just they're, they're hungry. Just give them some formula. And then babies get used to that. And then they normalize it. And they basically just like the, the percentage of successful breastfeeding at this stage is really, really alarming. Right. And when we're talking about the foundation neurophysiologically, neurohormonally, I've always educated my parents and to say that breastfeeding is not just about food. It's not just about metabolism and intake. It's not just about efficiency. It's also about oxytocin. It's also about understanding that the neurohormonal cascade of a latch to a breast for mom and baby and that mom's wisdom in her body, if she senses through the chemoreceptors on her skin, on the breast tissue, something inflammatory off, or if they, you know, through the thermoreceptors of the breast tissue, or if mom smells a poopy diaper that's off, she will innately change the content of her milk to therefore take care of the immediate needs of the baby. And so it couldn't be overstated. What you're saying is exactly right in terms of like the the neurobiomechanics of the cranium, of the jaw, of the structure of it. But I would say that it's, it's far more vast, but it's exactly what we're talking about, right, Paul? Like AAP CDC says, yeah, you don't have to crawl. What is, why do humans have to crawl? No big deal, right? But long before that, pediatricians and the formula companies and the food industry have been saying this, this synthetic industrial made chemical derived milk is better than your, your breast. And, you know, it's crazy because maybe another gift of this shortage of, of, I don't know if you heard about that. There's a shortage of baby formula. 
Well, Did that's that? good. Right, right. So that could actually be a blessing in disguise for a lot of these moms and challenge them to push through these processes so that they can actually have successful nursing. It's a huge, huge, huge thing in our world that it is a holistic cascade of benefits that babies receive as a result of successful nursing. And I would even go as far as to say that the crawling would be based upon them being able to nurse efficiently, effectively, comfortably on both sides in multiple types of latches. When moms are new with little ones at home, a lot of times you have a lactation consultant that says, just wait till they're one or they're one and a half. And they're like acrobat nursing and they're keeping their latch doing all sorts of crazy things. Like you said, these muscles right here are foundational for our relationship with gravity period, that if babies are allowed to go through that whole process in toddlerhood and they're latching in crazy positions, they're actually neurobiomechanically, neurophysiologically programming themselves for a more optimal expression and relationship with the environment. It's just hands down. Now, since there's a shortage of baby formula, um, maybe it's helpful to share some resources. I know Sally Fallon's book, Nourishing Traditions, offers a few recipes for ways you can make uh, something that would replace mother's milk. Because one of the things that I've noticed a lot today is that a lot of women aren't producing milk like they should be. That's true. And that that's a, a bit of a problem. I've, I've run into probably 50 cases in the, Latin, in the last 10 years where a woman's got an infant, but she can't produce any milk. So I think that has to do with the poor health that many parents are into. And I think you know, Nathan Riley and I have talked about this on a couple of podcasts, but I think it's really important for people to realize if they want to have children, they've really got to get in very, very good physical shape, detox their bodies, and and really study books like my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, so they learn the basics of how to eat. But are there any other books that you would recommend that might have um, food options or, or uh, ways to make things that are comparable to mother's milk for women that can't produce it? I would say that the only resource I trust at this stage is Sally Fallon's Nourishing Traditions book. She comes from, she's the uh, founder and president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. We had her on our podcast. She is fantastic. She is a fierce uh, activist at not the, this stage, but for many, many years in this movement. But her recipe on um, human-made uh, formula is easily still, in my opinion, the standard. There just isn't anything outside right now that isn't somehow pasteurized, that isn't somehow processed in ways. There is a company, I believe in California, in Long Beach, I want to say, I forget the name of it, that actually made formula from her recipe that was actually sold you know like oh good at, at, with her specific recipe i can't remember that right now once i get it I'll, I'll i'll send that over to you but i would say there's no better resource nourishing traditions is the gospel in my opinion in terms of like how to just it's it was it was biohacking before biohacking was a thing bone broth before bone broth was a superfood it was it was promoting things that were so um largely important from an ancestral perspective but also from a whole health holistic health and optimal health perspective, but she has a child and baby care book, Nourishing Traditions, Baby and Child Care. It was oh, co-authored. It was, it was Sally Fallon and co-authored with Tom Cowan. And that book is fantastic. That book is, it talks about how to introduce solids, how to do it and where, you know, the importance of organs and glands and like, you know, actual, like, you know, the whole 
animal versus, you know, just giving them certain parts of the animal. And so from an ancestral perspective, I would say there's no better resource than nurses. Yeah. And one of the things too, a lot of parents don't realize is that the most compatible animal milk for, for infants is goat milk, not cow's milk. And I've had a number of people that had to resort to sheep's milk, which you can get if you do some looking into it. I've heard infants. good things about camel milk as well. Yeah, I, I haven't ever had a chance to try that, but I have had, um, I can't handle milk because I have a genetic allergy to beef and, and dairy, but um, I know that uh, many people have done well. I had goat's milk when I was a kid because we, we milked our goats and our cows, but I know goats and sheep's milk, and I've known a number of parents who resorted to that in place of the fact because the mother couldn't produce milk, and I encourage them not to use bottle anything pasteurized or formulas and you can find these things if you look for them i mean if you if you're not willing to do it for your kid then you're you're both are all of you are in big trouble already um you know we've talked about this a fair bit uh if there's anything you know my my podcast with sherry tenpenny goes into this a lot as you know but if there's any kind of warnings you would make for for parents with regard to vaccination of children what are maybe two or three things that you could say or bullet points they should all be aware of the first one is um that it was actually revealed by the informed consent action network that not a single vaccine not a single one offered to kids or adults has ever been studied in a inert controlled inert placebo-controlled long-term randomized clinical trial. Not one has been studied against an inert placebo in a long-term trial. And so, go ahead. The other thing is, you know, like right now they want kids to have in California 42 vaccinations by I think about age two or some crazy thing. The number of shots that kids get by the time they're six months, if they follow CDC guidelines, is more than my generation received all the way throughout childhood, 18 years. And so the the reason why I start with safety, right? When they're not studied against an inert placebo, like they're studied against other vaccines, they're studied against sometimes uh, placebos that have aluminum in them. If they're never studied for safety, uh, there's all sorts of conversations around things like, well, what about polio? What about measles? What about, you know, smallpox? And in our world, uh, as healthcare providers, our oath isn't about effectiveness on whether or not things work, quote unquote, because I don't think they work. But it's about safety, right? Our oath is first do no harm. Our oath is a Hippocratic oath. Our oath, as Nuremberg trial says, is informed consent, giving people information. And so one thing that I know is that when there is no study in a long-term inert controlled placebo trial, then there is uh, safety is at best, at best, it's unknown. At well, my best. point was there's no research showing what happens when you put this Molotov cocktail of 30 totally. or 40 vaccinations into your body. Right. So there's actually really good data about that that says that they're, they're, <laughs> the study, like the, the schedule, not only have each individually not been studied, but the schedule has never been studied. Right. And so if things, if safety is at best unknown and at worst, 
non-existent, right? If there's no safety, risk and safety, it's an inverse relationship. Risk equals one over safety. And so if safety is zero, then risk is actually infinite, which is why we have debts, right? And so for us in our world, we, we start and stop there. I don't get into debates about whether or not this COVID schmot, like whatever, has some sort of efficacy because efficacy to me now isn't about antibodies and immunity. It's about the fallout that the agenda and these people pulling the puppet strings knows. They know it's causing myocarditis. They know that it's causing well, infertility. They it's know exactly that it's what causing they want miscarriages. If they're eugenicists, right? To- totally, right? So they know that. And so I don't get into the debates about that because at the end of the day, if you look at any safety study, they've never been studied for safety in a legitimate trial. Meaning, if you're young parents that are out there, you do more research about car seats, about, like you're saying, Paul, cr- organic crawling mats, about baby carriers about cribs, about all sorts of things. You do more research on that than most have ever done with shots. And there's more research done to the safety of those products. Oh, Why? Far. Because there's liability. That's the end of the game. Is that 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act gave vaccine companies immunity forever for all vaccines, there's, you cannot sue them, right? And because there's no liability, there will never be safety. And if they're not safe, then it's all risk. If that isn't just the biggest red flag on the planet, I yeah. mean, who, what would you, who would buy a car that comes with no exactly. guarantee of safety, no guarantee that it's going to last, no manufacturer's warranty, no recourse, nobody would buy the car but they'll go let you stick shit into your kids and into their own bodies that has never been researched and you cannot have any recourse against the manufacturer. And even the information coming out on all the COVID vaccinations, finding plants that were dirty, not well-maintained, vials with toxic stuff in them, shit that they've never seen in any vaccination ever in the history of man, stuff that couldn't even be identified. Yeah, we're not even science. talking about like the, nio, the the nanotechnology that's actually essentially alive in people or the the, the magnetism that we're seeing of in course, a lot of and people. And that gets denied. And when of you talk about does. that, oh, you're crazy. Uh, one of my f- friends, I won't say his name, but he works for us uh, doing specific services prides himself on his degrees in science. And he says, Paul, there's no possible way there's anything in those vaccines that can be magnetizable. I say, how about graphene oxide? And he goes, oh, well, that's just a theory. That's not true. So I send him one. I go, okay, look, here's a video of Angie sticking forks, spoons, and knives to her mother's arm. He goes, I think you guys are faking that. I'm like, what do you think I have time to fucking fake videos and send them to you? You, you must think I've got nothing to do. Probably the most, um, in my opinion, visible injured person today is a woman named Brittany Galvin. I don't know if you follow her or if you, if you, she would be a fantastic interview for you. No, I don't. Because she was one of the ones that popularized like showing, because she didn't even know. She didn't know that she was going to be magnetic. And then she started putting stuff all over her body. And somebody had mentioned to her, have you ever slept with something magnetized to your arm? And she did. And her, her symptomology went through the roof by leaving it on her body while she slept. Her story 
about the levels of one negligence, incompetence, but also just like shaming coercion that she's experienced since she's been injured by this shot is is astronomical. But the thing that about her that's crazy is she's been just questioning. And now she's becoming an activist for more people that are trying to get a, as big of a platform as she is because she's taken so many arrows and she's trying to get people like some sort of help, right? Some sort of exposure. So people actually believe them. Everybody said that she was lying and she did it like, right. She did it live on, on Instagram. She showed like all the things that was magnetic to her. Graphene outside is not um, new. It's not, it's not a technology that is just some fabrication from this one particular shot. If you read the studies on it, and if you actually look at it, you're like, this is actually wickedly like brilliant that, that there are molecules, that there are entities like this that exist. We just shouldn't be injecting them anybody. Like we shouldn't be like, like we should not be doing that. And then the question is, why are we doing that? which is crazy. I don't know if you saw this video, but um, the guy that produced it is an English film producer, I think, if I remember. I've seen so many of them, they start streaming together. But anyhow, what they did, because they kept seeing people bring cell phones up to the injection site and they would pick up a, a, yeah. a, 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 a Wi-Fi signal. A Wi-Fi signal, of, yep. mm -hmm. right, with a serial number on it. IP addresses. Yep. Yes, IP, IP addresses. And then there was the video leaked out of Russia. A hacker broke into the Russian government's computer systems and showed that they were monitoring every single person that oh. had been vaccinated. They knew their heart rate, their blood pressure, everything about them. And he showed the data real time and even looked up one of his best friends in there. And he said, look, he's asleep right now. They knew exactly where he was. They were tracking his location and all the biorhythms were all coming. This is all wirelessly through 5G. But the, the, the uh, point being is, in this video, they did a little research project. They took, I think, four unvaccinated people and four vaccinated people way up in the mountains where there was no cell reception. And they said, okay, and then they put the camera on. They said, okay, all of you that are unvaccinated, you've got your iPhones, turn your phone on. Can you get a signal? No. Can you pick up any IP addresses, any wireless systems, like if you were trying to connect to the internet in a hotel? Nothing. It's completely blank. Phone is useless. Then they took their phone, put it right next to the bodies of the vaccinated people, and every one of them got an IP address with That's a serial insane. number on it that was active. And That's out in insane. the middle of nowhere, which means it's all being through satellites. It's So for, for your parents that are listening, that are still, say you're in California, and you're just like, what do I do about school? It's like uh, the number one question before all this that parents didn't that asked or didn't ask my practice was about shots over the last two years. The number one conversation is about homeschool that just know that what you're revealing with Paul, what you're sharing is a lot more information than I have currently about this shot right now, right? Has activated an awareness in this generation of people, our parents, that there is nothing in the old schedule that was of any value except to cause problems that would essentially tie you to the medical system for generations to come, right? If you look at the data on whooping cough, if you look at the data on smallpox, if you look at the data on um, on polio, like the number one vaccine, uh, the number one strain of polio passed around the world today is a vaccine-derived strain, 
We are causing the epidemics in polio today. And what do they think we have to do? Bill Gates says more polio shots to India and Africa, you know? And so it's, it's, it is not even arguable at this point. I don't engage those conversations with people in the regular public today anymore because what this whole last two years has revealed that the emperor had no clothing, that the house of cards was far more vast than we ever knew. And it's not just for this shot. It's for every shot that's ever been in existence from the very beginning of shots. Edward Jenner, if you read the stories, Dissolving Illusions by Suzanne Humphreys is easily the most important book that everybody needs to get through, not just by reading, but cognitively fully understanding. She goes through Edward Jenner and smallpox in a way that's more vast than I've ever actually heard and goes through polio, the big ones that they all kind of justify the entire schedule. And at the end of the day, like you said, Paul, like no one studied one, but they've never studied them all together. And what we know for a fact is it's not just the statistics I put out earlier. It's all the subclinical stuff of dysfunction that will never be diagnosed. And they will never like, actually parents will never know that they were from shots. You know, if they tried to study them all, the problem was they wouldn't be able to do the study because it would kill every animal that they <laughs> vaccinated they, like that. It would, they would, they they, would. There would be no subjects left, kind of like Fauci's uh, remdesivir. If, there's only two studies on that, and both of them, uh, at least one, if not both, had to be stopped because it was harming the, the people that were in the, in the studies so badly. That's what's great. I mean, you, you brought up Trey Tenpenny. And so back in the day, in 2005, my brother gave me... Um, like I said, Mercola's book um, gave me Sherry Tenpenny's DVDs that I still have in my office cabinets right behind me and, and your book. Like, like I've been studying the disinformation, you know, people <laughs> from the very beginning. And that's essentially how I've like made my whole career was based off these pseudoscientific, but actually the only people doing the real work. And I'm grateful for you, for you, for that. Uh, I'm grateful for you being out there doing what you're doing. And just because I don't want to keep you too late, um, do you work with parents and children via the web at a distance or do they have to come? Do you only do work physical in-person work? You know, our, our, our practice is, is only physical work. However, um, in the last, like, I would say six months, we've had more requests. And based upon the care model that we provide, it is in-person. And so we just had, like on Thursday, I have a call with um, a parent who only wants to work with us from New York. And so they're going to zoom in, we're going to do a consultation and they have already committed that if they feel that this is a viable strategy for the healing of their kid, that they're going to fly out here, live here for the duration of the care that we provide. And then they're going to, we're going to find them some resources at home. And so if people follow me on Instagram, on my link in my bio, I have resources for databases for people. I, I mean, that's a gift in the curse of chiropractic is that it is hands-on. Like we will always have a brick and mortar we will always be person to person. We will always touch people. We always feel not only their bodies and their joints and their tissue, but we're going to feel their soul and their life and their consciousness. And we're going to deliver the care in the, in the model that we do. But people are finding us from a long way away now. Like we've had families drive from LA over the last two years, like literally three hour commutes because of the work that we do. And so all of it is in person, but people are starting to find us and commit because their kids are really having a hard time. Yes, it's so important. And there are things you can do um, with adults through the web because most of what we're working on is behavioral change. But when you're dealing with kids that need reflexes checked and motor skills totally. developed and 
you know, hands-on care. It's, 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 I mean, exactly. Paul. I could see you doing a lot of work with the parents via the web, which probably would be helpful too. just education. But when it comes to actually being there, it's like, you know, a, a doctor cannot check your temperatures through the internet, you know? Hi, everybody. You know, apple cider vinegar is like a panacea that's been shown through all sorts of research to help with just about anything. And I personally love the stuff. I found it very, very beneficial on many levels. And Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex is absolutely awesome. And I've got Autumn Smith, their founder here right now to tell you why it will be a great addition to your life. Autumn, what is it about your cider vinegar complex that we should all know about? <laughs> well, I created the apple cider vinegar complex because I was on a mission to not only live as long as possible, but to feel amazing when I did that. And I learned about apple cider vinegar's incredible ability to help keep our blood sugar very nice and stable, which is one thing we know people who live long, healthy lives have. And then I added organic cinnamon and organic ginger and organic turmeric, all that have different benefits of their own from anti-inflammatory properties to brain benefits. And we put them all into capsules so that you could take it and then have your digestion feel better. You could have more energy. You could have, you could avoid the ups and downs all day long because you have that nice stable blood sugar. And of course, another interesting side is that apple cider vinegar may actually be able to help your body break down glyphosate. So there are so many different ways that you can use this product and reasons that you might. And the the reason it's so important to me is because I want food to be used as medicine. And so we can encourage our bodies to do all of these amazing things simply by the addition of the apple cider vinegar complex. Well, I also love that you have ginger in there because it's a very effective anti-parasitic. And today with the amount of processed food people are eating, uh, it's a really good idea to have some ginger in your diet. So I love this product myself. I use it every morning. And uh, Autumn, where can people get it and what's their discount? You guys can all save up to 15% off with the checkout code CHECK. That's lowercase C-H-E-K 15. And I just wanted to mention too, the number one thing I hear from people is that this complex helps them reduce cravings. So I hope you That's all love it. Yes. So go to paleovalley, P-A-L-E-O valley.com and get your 15% discount. And I hope you love it as much as I do. Well, where can people find you and learn more about your offerings? You know, we're mostly active on Instagram, you know, so if they looked me up, they'd have to look up Dr. Stanton Hom 3.0 because I was deplatformed twice and <laughs> they killed two of my other accounts. So I actually have 3.0, 4.0 and 5.0. I'm most active on three. I don't know how that one revived, but it did. So I'm most active there. Um, we have the future generations podcast. And so we're available on Apple podcasts, iTunes, um, and then Spotify, but that's the website, thefuturegen.com, And all of our episodes are listed there. We're pushing into our hundredth episode, which we're super excited about because it's been literally uh, our brand of health freedom is, is super simple. Our health freedom is yes, finding, fighting for the inalienable rights and the personal sovereignty and the bodily autonomy and the informed consent. But what you do with that informed consent is equally important. And our other arm of health freedom is normalizing, normalizing vibrant health for all generations. Like it is really important for your kids and my kids to know each other 
because the way that you come into the world and the way my kids come into the world and that web of optimal environments and their optimal experience of the environment is not normal today, right? It's not the common thing today, but it is the most normal thing that we ever experience. And so we have our podcast in person. We have our, 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 our clinical chiropractic, which is at future generations SD San Diego.com. And we have a community. We have an online community that's uncensored and you can find us there. Sign up there, community.thefuturegen.com. And there we're not as active as we, as we could be right now, but we're really building that out this year. Like you were saying about Kelly Brogan and Sayer and Andy Kaufman and you, like we all have our unique offerings and community. So if anything that I'm sharing resonates with you, if there's anything that we focus on, it's this kind of phase of life where you're growing your family, where we believe that we are safeguarding how family trees are literally populating the planet by the education and the empowerment that we provide. One last thing I wanted to bring up yeah. while I've got you. Of course, Paul. This really is sad and upsetting to me, but we had a family member get vaccinated and then wanted to come visit the kids and us. Yeah, we we knew about vaccine shedding. Yeah. And so we were, you know, we decided where it's, if we don't let them come, it's could be damaging to the kids because it's a, a grandparent and we don't want, we had to decide what's more important, keeping the psychological and emotional connection to the family or risking the exposure. And this particular person went against everything Angie and I taught her um, due to peer pressure from friends. And not only did Angie, and Angie's had several problems now where she violently reacts and has severe menstrual reaction anytime anyone that's been vaccinated gets close to her. But the bring, thing I'm bringing up is within one day of the visit from the vaccinated family member, my two-year-old daughter started having blood coming out of her vagina. And it was just very upsetting. And I'm wondering if you've seen that in any little girls, especially. Well, I've, I have not seen that yet in my practice. However, Dr. Larry Pilevsky, a pediatrician out in New York City, uh, has. And he talked about that from the stage in Kansas City Health Freedom for Humanity Symposium. He talked about how a 23-month-old started actually having its menstrual cycle as a result of shedding. And so there's a couple of things here, Paul, is it, did you want to, did you want to ask? More I was just going to say, I was just watching um, Ty and Charlene Bollinger's propaganda exposed series. And at the end, there's a two part Q and a with a lot of the guests and one of the ladies, I forgot her name, but she's a school teacher from Miami that they went after real heavily. Cause she wouldn't mask. Layla, Layla Sentner. Yes. And uh, she brought up that um, I think it maybe was her own daughter, but she said the same thing. Two-year-old daughter started bleeding from the vagina after exposure to someone that was vaccinated. So I, I'm it's sorry, happening Paul. all over the place. I just wondered if you'd seen it. And so, you know, so it's bad. I'm really sorry that it happened, Paul. You know, and and this is something that's really important because from a from a terrain perspective, right? Like you guys couldn't have more optimal terrains as a family. Right, you've done every bit of work that you could possibly do yeah. to protect your kid, 
right? And 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 we're stuck in this. Like every family is experiencing something like this. And I'll, I'll tell you, just for full transparency for your listeners, back in April, my my wife literally a week after family members visited us miscarried. And oh, do I know so for sorry. a fact? Do I know for a fact that it was that? This is the thing, Paul. This is what people in society need to recognize. They put the pressure on you, Paul. You need to prove to me that that happened to your, because of that for your kid. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that the burden of safety is on these manufacturers and on the healthcare system and on the insurance companies and all the layer in the web of the pharma cartel. Their job is to make sure that they're safe so that when they come into the public, that these things don't happen, right? However, it's placed in the opposite fashion where they start to say, prove it to me, Paul. Where's your research that shows that that, happened, that that could happen for your kid? Well, look at the Pfizer documents. You can see that exposure to a vaccinated person, which is not a vaccine, a vaccinated person is enough, right? So they know there's transmission. They know- I saw it. Shedding, they they right? knew about it. And they even, they even mentioned in their secret papers that any doctor that hears about it should report it. Yep. Because they knew about it. And, and, you know, the, the thing is, is like, I got a, here, here's my two-year-old daughter. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's man. been alive for two years. The only thing that came into her environment that was different and dangerous was a vaccinated family member. And all of a sudden she's bleeding from her vagina and Angie is going through a three week menstrual event where she thinks she's losing her whole uterus. And that's happened to her three times now. So I just said to Angie, you, you've just got to stay away from these people. And my, my big question is, is my daughter ever going to be able to have kids now because the, the, the stuff sheds and gets in their body and goes right after their sex organs because it's a eugenics program. So Paul, that's, that's a really important question too, right? And, and I can imagine like my kid in the summer last year, when somebody visited, she had a full body viral rash, right? Like we knew, and there was like, whoa. That was like night and, day, night and day when my wife miscarried, it was perfect timing temporarily. And then when that viral rash with my kid, when my son was born, I think he had COVID at two weeks. I wow. really do. Right. And so here's, here's my thing, right? I also communicate to my, to my, my parents and my practice that on one end, if you're at that sensitive time in life, you have to put more consciousness around this. You have to sometimes put those barriers up. If my wife is pregnant next year, we're going to put a lot of like restrictions on when people can visit and where because we've been through it once. We're it's not going to go dangerous. through that again, right? But secondarily, I also communicate to my families that everything I said at the beginning still applies, that each one of us come from this like spark of life, two half cells, and nine months later, a 26 billion cell being emerges that we can't opt out of, right? Scientists today still can't make a single cell. They can't put together a single cell and your wife can put two half cells together and nine months later, this dramatic, wildly brilliant, beautiful, infinitely wise baby comes out. We need to affirm in ourselves every day, every single day, that that form of love and compassion that and infinite wisdom that is the human gestational, the human pregnancy process is how we are all made, 
We are all made of this, like, this is the form of life that I will literally fight and die for for the rest of my life because I know for a fact that I know that your kid will have kids. I know because you will do the work to help her have this optimal environment that will stimulate that spark of light epigenetically, neuroplastically, hormonally, neurotransmitters, all that stuff coming out because of all that. You've already done the work to help and you're, or you will, I know you, I know, I know you and your, your wife and I know how you guys live. There's no doubt in my mind at this stage that we can heal. I think if any kid has a chance of being okay, it's, it's my kid, but I'm thinking about all the other kids out there. And, you know, fortunately our kids are super vital and healthy and I'm watching our, our kids very carefully. And I didn't see any other signs of disablement, no general inflammation and, and signs of, you know, heat or illness. So it was, it felt to me like probably what it was is spike protein got in there and triggered a reaction. And, and it was just until her body could clear it. And, and I don't know, I just brought it up because yeah, no, I Paul, think people need to know about this stuff. And, and I think people need to be that are unvaccinated, need to be very careful, especially women. It seems to affect women much worse than males. And, 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 and the fear, in my opinion, the fear is the first, I think living um, your life aware is very different than living in fear because if we really just look at it, in California, most of the people are probably all jabbed up, right? Like, so oh, we're always yeah. going to be around it at some form or fashion. And so for us, we have to affirm in ourselves and we have to create optimal environments. If you haven't done it yet, I've been telling people in my community that it is time for us to get into the best possible state of health and vibrancy than ever one because if your kid and my kid right if my if my wife and your wife and your kid and your daughter like if if our kids can be influenced by this then virtually all the kids are going to be influenced by this not saying we're our kids are better and worse we've lived an optimal lifestyle from the very very beginning i think it's why it happens one because i think our systems respond more accurately and appropriately to the new environment that's there. But I don't think it means that we live like in fear because a bunch of people started to be like, we're going to distance from people who are jobbed up and should we not invite you know people to, into our practice? And I let people know that that first resistance, that first fear is sometimes enough to trigger a physiological cascade of vulnerability that if we speak into, affirm into, live into ahead of time, will prevent most of those from happening. But the fact that it does is is worthy of inquiry, man. If you haven't, have you have you interviewed or spoken with um, Christian Northrup? No, I, I know who she is. I haven't had a chance to to talk to her. I've literally I'm booked months in advance with podcasts right now. Christian is is the the foremost expert along with a woman named Tiffany Prado. I interviewed both of them on our podcast. Tiffany is actually, she's published now. She's been publishing from the very beginning of all these reports. The initial wave of deplatforming off of Instagram came because we were putting out information on these cycles. So she created a study that was on, I think it was called My Cycle Story. And now she's published on PubMed. It is an indexed um, article that shows all of the possible reactions from the shot. And I think shedding too, I think shedding as well. And so for, for all of you who are out there that are, that are worried about this, yes, be aware, 
but don't live in fear because I think that's the fear that they were trying to promulgate into us. Those that are on our side of things. Yeah, you know I, mean? I think there needs to be a healthy reverence of the risks, though. I mean, of course, man. You know, uh, no uh, uh, Angie had two clients here recently, and I I can feel the vibration in people's body who's been vaccinated. It's a it's a it's a weird buzz, like like I'm next to a cell phone tower or something. And um, I was curious if it was going to affect Angie, but she, these are clients she's had for years and she, they, they, they had just come to see her after having not, because when she moved away from Riverside to come be with me and Penny, she let go of her clients. And so they just came to visit her and um, she hugged the wife. And so she's, we, we've had people up here for classes that have been vaccinated, but what we found out is this, as long as Angie does not have physical contact. Skin to skin contact. Yes. Yeah, so that I, is a thing. And I said to her, did you hug that lady? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, because the woman hadn't told her that she was vaccinated. I said, get a hold of her. But I can tell you, I could feel it in both of them. I said, I'm, I'm almost sure they were vaccinated. And sure enough, Angie texted them and asked them and they both had been recently vaccinated. Wow, I mean, I, I think at this point, if people aren't are unaware of this possibility, then then you're doing yourself a disservice. But on the opposite end, if you are living in this perpetual state of concern and fear and franticness and, and anxiety, you also leave yourself vulnerable. But you're saying exactly the right thing. Paul, the healthy state of awareness is something that is absolutely necessary moving forward. And like living in a way that you literally make yourself harder to kill. Like you yeah, literally you make be, yourself you harder to kill on a day to day on a day to day basis for sure. And I, I think the healthy use of the fear is to turn it into inspiration and motivation <laughs> a to, thousand to, percent, to do something. A thousand percent. You know, I tell people do what you love to do. If you love to sing the truth, sing it. If you love to dance the truth, dance it. If you love to write, write it. If you love to to act it, act it but we've all got to work together. And if we each just do a little bit each day in a way that serves us, then we're all contributing to the great awakening and education because it really all boils down to education at the end of the day. It's education and recognizing also, Paul, that, that I started to say very early on in 2020 that this mission is going to outlive me. You're already talking about how, you know, where you are in your stage of your career and our kids aren't just our future, right? But every dream, every career, every school, everything needs to go through a new filter of a level of health freedom that if our kids aren't trained and prepared, educated, and literally leading into, like my kid is too. She's the same as your, your younger one, right? Like I, that, your story like breaks my heart, man, because if it were her, I would go to Bose, like I would, I would lose my mind because at, because it's your kid, but they are going to carry this burden, whether we like it or not, because those dark forces have been playing at this agenda for way longer than we have at this point. And we don't even know what the future the of this shit is. You know, we a lot of the experts are saying it's going to take 10 years before the, the story really gets told. And many of them have predicted, you know, even top guys from right inside of Pfizer and people like that are whistleblowers saying. It's going to get worse and worse. There's going to be people dropping dead all over the place. Their immune systems are being shut down. And, and you know, we've only seen the beginning of this yeah. little show. 
Well, if there's anything, you know, literally like from the deepest part of my heart and soul, Paul, like you've given to me over the last 17 years of my life, if there's ever anything that I could do for you or your daughter or, or anyone in your world, just let me know. And because this, yeah, this is something that we, you know, consider ourselves experts in and working with families like you that already do everything perfectly as optimally as possible, make it really, really, really easy to help see like I think the key thing too is we all really need to start networking together and totally. finding doctors we trust so that we don't have to be in hospitals unnecessarily, food supplies, farmers, you know, water sources, you know, the, the craziness of these evil geniuses such that you're really putting yourself in harm's way if you don't do some planning and some networking and have a backup plan. Because it really is a world war, but it's just a few billionaires and trillionaires against the rest of us. And so that makes it kind of interesting because it's not like we have an enemy next door. It's not like, you know, the Nazis against us or whatever. <sighs> so we, what it is, is really a matter of us networking together and, and, and putting together connections that allow us to feel safe without the dependence upon big industry, big tech, big government. Um, and that way we can kind of return to our roots and get back to, you know, kind of developing our own communities. And I think that's great for the kids because, you know, the old saying, it takes a tribe to raise a child. And, and what this whole thing's done is it segregated everybody, but the opposite is what we need to do to get through this and to rehabilitate the environment and to have enough voice to stop stop some of these things from going through and some of the legislation they're trying to pass we need to have communities that support each other and communities that connect to each other so that we start rebuilding the cell system of humanity mm, so that we man. grow the intelligence of human beings as a being each of us recognizing that we are like the liver the heart the kidneys or cells within those so little communities that band together if we do it right with the internet, we can circle the globe and we, we can actually eradicate the, the sickness. That's such, such a beautiful way to put it, man. And and it's been said over the last two years, and I'm so grateful that this quote has been uh, much more public, that the body's ability to heal is far greater than we've been led to believe. But we can extrapolate that infinitesimally out, right? Like our, our family's ability to heal is far greater than we've been led to believe. Our society and our community ability to heal is far greater than we've been led to believe. Our universal healing is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when we recognize what the true role of humanity is today, which is to wake the fuck up from all this stuff and take action and build your tribe, right? I appreciate that, man. As Ken Wilber says, it's time to wake up, clean up, grow up, and show up. I and love that quote. The cost man. of not doing it is serious illness or death and, a, and no future for your children. So, Stanton, what a great uh, dialogue together. And Thank um, you, Paul. Thanks for sharing and thanks for all the work you're doing and thanks for keeping parents educated <laughs> and kids healthy. And uh, I'm glad we got to share our combined life experience and wisdom with the listeners. And thank you all of you for listening. And if you think this is important information, please share it. You know how to find Stanton now. And thank you to my sponsors for all the great work you do to make real healthy products, great 
things, supplements that actually do what they're supposed to do and really enhance your life. And for running companies that use free range and organic farming and sustainable practices that actually help the world. So uh, thank you all for anything you buy from the sponsors. A little bit goes to support the podcast so I can find very intelligent people like Stanton Holm to educate us. So a whole great spirit. Stanton, lots of love, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's continue to do our best for each other, our families in the world. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Dr. Stanton Hom. You can join the Future Generations community at community.thefuturegen.com. Connect with Stanton on Instagram at Dr. Stanton Hom 3.0 and at the Future Gen SD. And find his podcast, The Future Generations Podcast, on all good podcast channels. Follow Paul on Instagram at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and get your free subscription to Check videos and more at the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And if you did enjoy today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.